The Pegasus World Cup edition of the Notorious OTB on the Sports Gambling Podcast Network is brought to you by Hall of Fame Bets, the sports betting research platform for parlays, player props, and game lines. Download the Hall of Fame Bets app or visit hofbets.com. Use code SGPN to get 50% off your first month and start making smarter bets today. We're also brought to you by Cut. Cut is a peer-to-peer social betting platform that's U.S.-based and available in 40 states. Head to cut.com, that's K-U-T-T.com, and use promo code SGPN for a 10% deposit bonus. And we're also brought to you by the SGPN Merch Store. 15% off everything when you use the promo code PLAYOFFS. Welcome, everybody, to the Notorious OTB, brought to you by the Sports Gambling Podcast Network. And folks, as always, it's all good, baby, baby. It was all a dream. We used to read Blood Horse Magazine. I got my Cuban links on. Yes, Cuban B. And I'm your host, Chase Sessoms, the Wolf of Oakland. I got ice all over my body looking like a snowman. Big rocks in the grill dancing like a slow jam. My chain's so heavy, I'm walking like an old man. Try me, you. Welcome to the show. It's, uh, it's, you know, I, I'm not, actually, I'm not going to front. It's, it's kind of a weekend where. Uh, I, I wasn't really that excited about the Pegasus, but then the more I kind of started looking at the card, I kind of get it started getting a little bit more excited. You know, it's and I talked about this with Andrew Champagne a little bit. It, it's something where you know it, it had we had such high hopes for what the Pegasus could be, and now when we see it in this form, it's kind of eh, eh. But I know what yeah, I know this. I know you guys want to hear about it, so I'm here to give it to you, the good people, and joining me to give it to you, the good people. This is the the co-mayor of the No Chalk Zone. Uh, He makes up the other half of the Going in Circles podcast, a fantastic podcast. If you have not listened to it, your friend of mine, ladies and gentlemen, Chuck Simon. Chuck, welcome to the show. Mr. Wolf, thank you for having me. Man. Thank you for for joining. It's uh, we you know we've had your partner Barry on so many times. It's like, what am I doing? I have to I have to get you know I have to get the other half on at some point, right? Barry is a podcast star, my friends. He is a podcast star. We we're it's his world, and we're all just living in it. I I realized this whenever it was his birthday a couple of years ago, and he got like my timeline was just birthday wishes for Barry. Yeah, man, he's uh, he's a good dude, and. Uh... It's kind of a, a it, it's kind of a sign of the times that that a guy like that uh, doesn't have an official gig in this industry. Kind of shows you, uh, you know, why we're treading water at the 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 best and heading towards the falls of Niagara at the worst. That's a reference for uh, our friend Bills fan in mourning, Garnet Barnsdale. Um, but no, it's uh, Barry's a cool dude. I, I'm I'm the I'm the, the the mean half. He's the you know he's the the good cop. I'm the bad cop. But uh, nice. you know, I mean, I just want to give it a little bit of advice. I am not nearly as good of a handicapper as Barry at all, nor I'm probably not as good better either. So I just don't want all your your fans to be disappointed and uh, don't take my selections or or any of my pushes as you would Barry's because you know I'm not nearly as good. That's literally the disclaimer I could give every single time that I do a pod, <laughs> Barry. So uh, I, I don't know what to say other than know them feels, bro. Know them yeah. feels. Uh, so, Chuck, you live up in Saratoga. You kind of want to give your, your background with horse racing a little bit? Oh, man, you don't have time for my entire background, but I grew up in Saratoga. Um, I snuck in the track underage to work at the backside because my dad kind of gave me an ultimatum work or you know get beaten so um which was okay back then uh so i mean mcdonald's didn't appeal to me he actually got me a job at a a, a breeding farm um locally and i worked there for one day and i i found out that wasn't exactly it for me so i wound up over at the track i uh, i played um, basketball for a couple years in college then i went to uh university of arizona for the racetrack program um because it sounded like a really good idea. And I said, man, that that's something that I have an interest in and you know, won't fall asleep in the classes. So I went there. Uh, I got a job working right out of school as assistant racing secretary at, at Yonkers, a standard bread track. Oh, awesome. I was there for a couple of years. And finally, I just had enough of, of being in an office. I didn't really like I didn't really like being, uh, you know, I, I wanted to be on the backside. 
basically. So I, I quit and uh, we had a mutual parting and I went to work for Wayne Lucas as a hot walker. Believe it or not, I, I started back at the bottom again and uh, Todd Pletcher was there. Uh, Jeff Lucas was the assistant, was the main assistant at the time. George Weaver was a foreman. Dallas Stewart was the, is, was in charge in uh, uh, Kentucky at the time. So it was, um, you know, good education. I, I, I went, worked for a bunch of different trainers. I wound up working for Alan Jerkins for five and a half years, which was kind of like, uh, you know, once you go there, there's really nowhere else to go. And, and I wound up getting an opportunity to train. I trained for 20 years and, um, you know, got a little burned out on, on the training end and just retired. Right. <laughs> so uh, I, I ran a feed company for one of the horses organizations for about a year and a half. And that wasn't exactly real fun, uh, especially when, when it was during the COVID time. So it was like, you know, you're trying to learn a new business at the same time that you're, you're getting all these massive restrictions. You don't have any idea what kind of uh, laws, you know, or, that are going to, or, or rules are going to put in on uh, crossing state lines with agriculture. I mean, it just was a pain in the ass. I'm not gonna lie, man. Um, and I so like I stopped doing that and, and I've been doing some consulting work, doing some bloodstock work, and we do the podcast, the, the Going in Circles podcast, and we also have the Going in Circles Digest, which is uh a more regular publication during the summertime. Uh during Saratoga we do it every day. Uh and, and we've gotten a, I mean, I'm up to about five fifteen hundred or sixteen hundred subscribers, which uh which is good. Um and you know that's that's kind of what what we do you know yeah it's uh it, folks when i say like don't just take my word for it uh that that it's an excellent podcast like just look on spotify or, or apple Podcasts, wherever and just see how highly rated I, I think you guys are the number one rated horse racing pod last time last time i saw well that's uh we appreciate it and, and you know i think people have to understand it's not for everybody and we wanted to kind of do something differently um, when, you know, when we started, um, it just was, it, you know, it's funny because people think Barry and I have been friends for you know, 20 years, but we actually met via social media and, right. you know, we, our paths would cross on, on Twitter and, and, and such. And, and Barry would, you know, he, he would ask me some questions about training and about, you know, some of the stuff that you read online, you know, a lot of which is ridiculous and we just you know kind of hit it off and and i started the podcast i did the first couple shows by myself and i quickly figured out that i really needed someone else to to bounce things off of otherwise i just droned on and next thing you know i'd be you know like the unabomber so i brought barry in you know and i said hey listen we'll do this we'll try it and see how it goes and if you don't like it you know we'll we won't you know we won't do it anymore and and, as, you know, he was like, okay, that's, that's awesome. And like, what are we going to do? I said, we'll just talk, <laughs> you know, like, and, and that was it. And, and, you know, we, we drone on a little bit. Sometimes it gets to be two hours long, but uh, I have people that complain it's not long enough because they use it, you know, while they're driving <laughs> as, as kind of, uh, you know, to distract them from the road. Me talking about Lasix or some stupid shit like that. But, um. Yeah, we we do uh, we do every Monday night. We tape Monday night, and um, you know try to give a not. I mean, we'll sometimes we'll preview stakes and stuff like that. We'll do a little bit of the you know normal stuff. Uh, you know, we'll try to get takes from people uh, like what we've saw this the past weekend with the stake races or any kind of timely news, which has been you know Bob Baffert related for about two and a half years. It seems right on a weekly basis. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's, it's cool. And, you know, we're not affiliated with anybody, so we, we're not, we don't have to be censored at all. We can say what we want to say. And, uh, you know, we're not, we're not, we're not handcuffed like that. So, I mean, I think that's always something that, um, that people can appreciate a little bit. And yes, we, we have our own views and our own biases and, as such, but we're not, not allowed to talk about, uh, so-and-so or, you know, this adw or this track or, or this circuit or you know if you're a steward you probably don't want to listen because 
you've, you've had a target on your back. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Add, add this if you are a steward. Add this podcast that that you're currently on to uh, to things you probably don't want to listen to. Uh, it got it got real for me after Travers weekend. That's for sure. Um, yeah. Well, what are Chuck and I going to be talking about today? We're looking at, that's right, Gulfstream Park. Saturday, this Saturday, I'm talking January 27th, year of our Lord, 2024. It is Pegasus World Cup Day. Uh, This is specifically for Matthew DeSantis. Uh, Last year, uh, someone sent a picture of the purple Pegasus, and it made me... Purple horse, purple horse. And uh, it got stuck in his head, and now I do it every year. So I hope he listened, and I hope he's going to be singing it all week after hearing that. Uh, we're going to take a look at all seven of the graded stakes races on the card. Uh, that's right. We're talking the, the grade three, La Prevayante. We're talking the grade three, William McKnight. The grade two, Inside Information. The grade two, Pegasus World Cup, Philly and Mayor Turf. The grade three, Fred Hooper. The grade one, Pegasus World Cup, Turf Invitational. And, of course, the big one, the Pegasus World Cup. And before we jump into that, going to get a quick word in from our good friends at Underdog Fantasy. And Underdog has a way for you to play alongside your favorite fantasy players all season long. NFL, NBA, NHL, college basketball, and college football. Simply pick higher or lower on your favorite players' fantasy stats and cash in. You can win 100 times with some spicy plays. What's my favorite Underdog pick for today's show? I think everything lower. You know how lucrative it is to bet against fun things happening? Very. Fun things don't ever happen. Go lower. Take it to the lower level, homes. So watch along, make your picks, and maybe make a little cash over on Underdog's mobile app or website, underdogfantasy.com. When you sign up with promo code SGPN, Underdog will double your first deposit up to $100. That's Underdog Fantasy, promo code SGPN. And just get a quick rehydration break in. Many men wish death upon me. Blood in my dog and I can't see. All right, let's go ahead and let's dig in race six, the 12 furlong. That's right, mile and a half, $150,000, La Prevayante on the turf. Uh, it's an interesting race. I, I thought that this pace stayed fairly slow. What did you think of the race, Chuck? Uh, you know, it, it's, it is an interesting race. There's a couple, I think, in here that didn't get into the the main Pegasus Philiomere turf, or is that the other race? Um, that might be the boys' race where there's the horses cross-entered. Uh, it, it was, I, I mean, it was one of those typical races you see on, on Pegasus Day where you don't have the top of the division in the races, but you have a lot of solid fillies that have been kind of running well. And, you know, the mile and a half at Gulfstream, it's a three-turn race. And I've always been of the, the, the opinion that three-turn races, uh, post positions matter a lot more than in a normal marathon because... If you get hung out wide in that first turn, chances are, unless you take back, you're going to wind up, you know, losing ground maybe on all three turns, which is, is really difficult to, to overcome for any horse. But it really at Gulfstream, especially, it's it's not such an easy trip. So um, the fact that the favorite who wants to probably sit a pocket trip drew post one, uh, maybe gives her uh, Ro- Romana Mia. Maybe gives her a little bit more of an advantage than than you normally see. I mean, she's coming off of two blowout wins, uh, one at Gulfstream on an off the turf race, um, but still, it's I, I just wasn't able to really come up with um, you know much of a. I really didn't come up with much much to beat her with, and, and I hate using favorites, but, um, you know, m- maybe, uh, I mean, I'm just looking through here, uh, you know, maybe Sister O'Toole um, could be one that you might want to maybe throw in with the rider change to Murphy. Uh, she's, you know, she, she's got a, cl- a, a strong closing style, but she doesn't have to lag. You know, she can lay up close. I don't think that the pace is going to be very fast. And, you know, she does have the ability to outkick horses. And and that's probably, you know, where, where I would go outside of, um, you know, the, the favorite. Because, I mean, you look at the outside horses, Highland Grace um, is is kind of, you know, a, a, a dead closer that's got an outside post. Tass, you just have to question, is, is she really good enough? Sensitivity. 
you know, she, she just looks overmatched in here. Um, you know, uh, Antillian, I've kind of learned to, to not throw out Mike Maker horses going long on the turf, even if their form is a little bit spotty like this one, mm-hmm. but you'd be having to really stretch to, to make a, a real big case for her. I mean, she took forever to get through her, um, you know, first level condition. Uh, Alpha Bella is, is you know, she's kind of just a horse. Our, our, our colleague Kimmy is, is on a, I think a five, four win, win a four race winning streak, but, but none of those races were particularly strong. And uh, I mean, she'd be one I, I would try to beat in here at, uh, at a short price. Like, you know, that's, that's kind of like, you know, um, and the, you know, Viva La Red looks like she's Viva La No Chance. You know, I usually whenever I have like a race like this where I, I feel like there's not a lot of pace, it's it's almost like a reflex thing where like the doctor hits my knee and then I bet on the horse I think is going to be out on the front is right. kind of how, how it works. And I couldn't really do that because I wasn't sure if any of the horses that wanted to be out in front were necessarily, like you said, good enough. Uh, could go the mile and a half distance, which I mean, marathon. It's there's it's a marathon. Not everyone can run marathons, and uh, I I had to squint really hard, and I got a wild hair up my ass. Uh, and I'm going. I, I'm gonna go across the board with Mike Maker's horse Anatolian here because. Uh, I've been dot matrixed before. I remember whenever he got me with dot matrix, I would do this exact same move, you know, coming up from, from cheaper company into graded stakes company. Uh, I feel like he's always dangerous with these horses. And I mean, it's run well at a mile and three eighths as well as a mile and a quarter. I think this one has a realistic shot to maybe up, upset the apple cart. So at 20 to one, I, I don't mind taking the, the swing across the board. Yeah. I mean, it's, like you said, it's it's definitely a, a, a trainer play, and that Maker has really done better than anybody else in the country at these long, long distance marathon horses. But taking these horses who aren't—I mean, this isn't like it's a, a a Grade Two winner from France who shipped over, and you know you just got to kind of point him in the right direction. Right. Uh, the only negative on this horse is it, it seems like uh, it, it, it likes you know an off track and. You know, one one of the real um, stickler, uh, like I, I'm not a big uh, uh, synthetic track fan, and I, I used to look for horses like this um, when the races would come off the turf, and then like now you ha- you're you're just really, you know, it, it's just a guessing game because I mean she's been very fortunate. Three out of her last four have come off the turf, and and she's won them all um, pretty easily. So, I mean, and it's not like she's a great dirt horse because you look at her, uh, her, her dirt form and it's, it's not really good, <laughs> but, um, but no, I, like you said, this is, this is a race. I mean, and I'm a guy who likes to look for pace to me. It's, it's a, it's a big thing. Like you said, you look for the, the lone speed, and, but most of the time when those horses win, they get to the lead and they clip along. And I just don't see anybody in here that, that might be eligible to do that i mean most of i mean maybe the the eight horse um you know the fernand uh the tass uh you know she she likes to lay up close but she doesn't really go fast and if you just lead the horses but you're only a length and a half or a length ahead of them well they're gonna out finish you so it isn't as though you're gonna make them come and get you with a five length lead turning for home right so I, I just, um, it, it's a tough race. I mean, I, I like I said, I, I might, you know, like it, this is, this is a race where price would matter a lot. And like, I, I think sister O'Toole is the only horse who I might like say, you know what, I'm, I'm going to take a stand with her and, and, and try to, you know, try to hit on her. But I mean, again, she's a seven-year-old mare. She's won four times lifetime. So, I mean, it's not like, uh, she, she's not exactly, uh, uh, me-esque. There we go. Well, let's go ahead. Let's move on. Let's take a look at race eight. Uh, another mile and a half, the $200,000 William L. McKnight. Let's see. Is it a memorial? Uh, I, I'm going to assume he might be passed away and say, uh, William L. McKnight, we miss you early day. Yeah. Uh, the William McKnight states, grade three on the turf. Uh, listen, great field size here. 
you got a, a Chad, you got a other Chad, you got a other other Chad. Um, and Chad's got one in here that I keep chasing on the returning to firm turf angle after running on softer tracks. And I'm going to continue to chase it here. Uh, I, I'm going to bet it to win and I'm going to use it on top with another horse I like uh, and the other Chads in a, in a part, part wheel trifecta. And that horse is Stone Age. Uh, I was on Stone Age in the, the BC turf two years ago at, at Keeneland where I thought you might run better getting firm turf. Uh, lo and behold, the horses run on yielding and good. And I think you might be kind of disguising, you know, what this, this horse can actually do because it hasn't been running on a, a firmer surface like it needs. I think it really could excel on the, uh, on the, the Gulfstream Durf. And plus it gets Ryan Moore up. I, I really can't, com- you know, really can't complain with, uh, that sort of mount, uh, or that sort of jock on this sort of mount. Uh, so I, I'm taking Stone Age and then I'll use a horse like, uh, the seven, uh, Verstappen, uh, on top in my part wheel. Uh, wheel in the the chalk, the one in the second, and then I'll throw every single horse I think is worth a damn into third with the one, the three, the four, the seven, eight, the ten, and the twelve. Yeah, I, I look. There are going to be some scratches out of this race. A couple, I think, three of them are entered, cross entered in the Connolly at Sam Houston, and, and I believe I read that um, they're all they're all going there. They're heading there, so this field might get cut down a little bit. Uh, Stone Age to me, and you don't get to say this very often, but Chad Brown is ice cold. Um, his horses have not been performing at all at Goldstream for whatever reason. Um, and Stone Age to me is a horse that I, I don't want to use him at all in here. I don't think Chad Brown has any idea what, what to do with this horse. I think that he's trained well and, you know, he doesn't really know what to do because you see him, he's changed jocks three times, which might have, you know, some more to do with availability than anything. But he also put blinkers on last time. And you don't see that move from him very often. No, you don't. And, you know, he, he took him right off because the horse got ranked. Um, and he just, it might just be, an, 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 and, you know, and he goes to Ryan Moore here too. That's the other factor, which you don't usually see him, Using the out of town guy, not that you know Ryan Moore is Ryan Moore, so it's not like he's using some some guy you know from nobody. But and he has ridden this horse uh, a bunch before. But you know it might just be a horse that just hasn't adapted to U.S. training, and I think that's something that that we have to um, consider. Like not all of them do. Some of them just don't don't handle it for whatever reason. They don't like training on the dirt. Remember, you have to train on the dirt. 90% of the time you, you might see turf works, but every other day they're galloping on the dirt. Um, and uh, to me, he's just going to be too short for a horse that I, I don't think that they've really kind of quite figured out here. And I, I mean, you could be definitely right about the surface and that uh, he he's, you know, it's odd that you would come over to the U S and in the summertime and, and catch three, uh, off turfs, including one at Gulfstream. But I mean, the, the turf should be firmer than it was. But I, I mean, if if he drifts, and, and it, it's possible that he would, because I'm not sure about the morning line in this race. Um, but to me, he, he's one to kind of steer away from. Uh, I also didn't like the one horse who's listed at two to one in the morning line, Francesco Clemente. And the, 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 the race that. Um, that he won at Aqueduct, the allowance race, was really not a good race. And nobody from that race has really done anything. Uh, I, I don't think that uh, the Hollywood Turf Cup last time was a good race either. It, it, it wasn't um, a strong race by any means. And at 2-1, to one, I, I, don't, I don't want him at all. And anything close to 2-1, to one, I, I'm, not, I'm not into him, you know, one bit. Um, we did not have an earthquake. No, it's we just had a phone spill. It's okay, folks. It's a, I just want to let everyone at home know that we are okay. We are I okay. Not, I did not fall down. Um, he gave he you gave such a scorching hot take that you immediately just like fell to the floor afterwards. I, I, I it was it was horrible, man. Um, Verstappen is a horse that that I've been chasing. And I, I really needed him badly in, in the Bowling Green where Channel Maker just got off to a loose lead and then 
the Godolphin, uh, you know, the the uh, the, uh, the the Chuck Appleby horse fell down. <laughs> I mean, everything happened like to, to for him to win, and and he still didn't win. Um, I, I tried him in the Red Smith, and you know, Decky Cannon maybe moved him a little bit too early in there. Um, uh, he, he goes to the Tory. And I think he's good enough. I think he's got the right style for the race. And, you know, it's not like he's going to be any great price. And I'm not saying, you know, that the nine to two morning line is, is a stellar number, but to me, he's a horse that, that I think can win the race. And there's just, it's, it's more of, he has the least um, negatives than, than anything else at, at of the horses that, that makes um, you know that makes any sense at all. I, I like the the bottom horse, uh, Angel Angel file a little bit, but I, I just hate post eleven. It just is, is very tough. I mean, I, I just I look at, at the kind of trip he's going to get, and he's either going to have to be you know way back or he's going to have to be wide, and and that's just uh, you know that that's just a bridge too far for me, but. That's really kind of where where I was at. I mean, you look at Celis. Celis uh, doesn't run outside of Kentucky. I mean, the horses races in Kentucky are are mostly good, and the horses races outside of Kentucky are mostly bad. Um, you know, Palazzi. I, I kind of looked at that one a little bit, um, but I, I really, again, it's it's the kind of the does this horse really just like Woodbine? Um, because the, the non-Woodbine races, uh, aren't, aren't so good. Right. Uh, you know, but, and California Frolic looks completely overmatched, value engineering. You know, if you're a fan of Maker, this horse was great last year at Gulfstream, but he, uh, he stunk since. And, you know, I, I'd rather, again, the morning line, I don't know if we're going to get some of these prices. But right. you know, taking a swing at him at, at fifteen twenty to one doesn't seem like um, that would be, you know, a, a terrible idea. All right, before we move on to the next race, the inside information gonna get a word in from our good friends at Cut. Cut is a peer-to-peer social betting platform. It's U.S. based and available in forty states. Peer-to-peer social betting is a new and better way to bet. Bet directly against your friends or other users on sports, politics, pop culture, and other events with verifiable outcomes. Plus, tons of fun social features that give it the feel of a betting social network. They even offer a lower VIG and fully customizable odds odds, so you can create your own bets. Cut handles the payment side of things, so you never have to chase anyone down for your $2. Social features, they got plenty of them. We got group chats, betting leaderboards, head-to-head history, user profiles, fan groups, and more. And you get cash back every single time you bet with your friends or other users on Cut. Remember, Cut is the peer-to-peer social betting platform that's U.S.-based and legal in 40 states. Head to Cut.com, that's K-U-T-T dot com, and use code SGPN for a 10% deposit bonus. And as always, we're brought to you by the good nerds of Hall of Fame Bets who want you to win bigger by betting smarter this NFL season with Hall of Fame Bets, the sports betting research analytics platform for parlays, player props, and game lines. Research every NFL, NBA, and soccer bet with historical stats and data. You can enter any parlay idea in the Hall of Fame Bets Revolutionary Parlay Optimizer tool to get hit rates broken down by leg as well as an expected probability for the entire parlay. Sort all players by hit rate for any bet to learn which players are hot and which picks have value. So stop betting in the dark. Join over 300, whew, not 300, 30,000 users researching the, with Hall of Fame Bets to craft more intelligent data-driven parlays. Download the Hall of Fame Bets app or visit hofbets.com. Use code SGPN to get 50%. They start researching, start winning with Hall of Fame Bets. And last, of course, we are brought to you by the SGPN merch store. Right now, we got 15% off of everything in the store. Now until the end of the month, use the promo code PLAYOFFS. You've only got, what, six more days that you can use it? And plus, we're competing against the other shows to see who can sell the most merch. You can get on these little dirty little pig boy t-shirts that I had made. Look at that. It's it's amazing. He's got a ma- He's got a dirty mistress ready to stand on him and everything. You got to get in on this. Use that 15% off code PLAYOFFS in the SGPN merch store and pick up yourself a dirty little pig boy shirt. I would surely thank you for it. And once again, got to get a little rehydration break in. Gretch, hit me with the horse, man! Y'all ready? Let's go! Let's go! Y'all ready? Let's go! Let's go! Come on! Everybody jump! 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 
All right. So moving on, we're at race nine, the seven furlongs, $200,000 inside information stakes, a, a grade two on the dirt here. Uh, there were so many similar horses here. I'm going to end up taking the one that feels like it fits the bill from a pace standpoint. That's going to offer me the, the best price, but I'm interested to hear where you went with this Chuck. Who are you, who were you thinking? Uh, I, I was leaning towards the outside horses. Um, Olivia Darling and uh, I mean Mary quite contrary has you know got a an amazing record calls from nine starts seven wins two seconds uh, mostly against better competition here this is really not a strong race it's, it's a very soft race for for this level um, and there seems like there's plenty of pace in there uh, gerrymander is just one I can't go anymore I mean I've, I've I've tried her so many times and like I said man this is this is a step down Dr. B would would, would annihilate this group but um, you know Mary Quiker Terry makes all the sense in the world in that if she gets any kind of pace the one turn Gulfstream race is just suits her you know to a T I, I just think that um, you know Olivia Darling's race last time was was good and you know, second off the layoff, I think that she she's going to be, you know, like maybe lapped on the leaders, sitting fourth on the outside, let the speed go. And uh, I mean, I'm trying to beat the, the, the Sappy Joseph favorite on the inside that, that chipped up from Maryland, had the big winning streak and, and got beat last time um, at, uh, at a short price. I, I just... I just didn't see any excuse for her last time. And I, I don't think that the, the, the Phillies she was beating up in Maryland were really very good. Um, you know, she has a good record, obviously, but but she's the type that, that I'm going to, you know, I'm always going to try to beat. And, you know, she might wind up um, being stuck on the inside. I, I think there's a couple horses on the outside who might be a little faster than her to the jump. And uh, I'm not quite sure that, that she just wants to, to eat dirt and, and finish up. So, I mean, I, I'm going to probably key on the 10 horse, Olivia Darling. I'm, I'm in, in vertical uh, races. Uh, I mean, excuse me. And, and the pick threes or, or whatever picks that they have. Mary Quaker Terry is, is she's hard to leave out just because the race seems like it sets up for, her. I mean, she's not going to be much of a price, but uh, you know, I mean, she's consistently the best horse in this field. Yeah, I, I'm with you on gerrymander. Like, I, I one, I'd never trust Chad on the dirt. Two, I, I just can't trust a horse that I know that everyone else is going to be going after after that huge figure two back at Backwaduct in the uh, in the uh, I believe the the Noble uh, was it with the two horse race. Yeah, yeah. I, I I think I think people will see that they'll see that figure. They'll see 25 links, and they won't pay attention to the fact that there were two horses in that race, and it will end up taking even more money. Um, I, I've decided to, to, you know, usually we other Chad, I'm going to other Safi. Not a mercy. Yeah. I mean, you could make a case, right? Right. I, I like Bluefield, the one I, 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 that last out pace, you know, last out late pace figure was smoking hot despite finishing, uh, as we say around here, fifth. Uh, I, I like this one to show off that that kick with an extra furlong too. And there's not much separating these horses, so I, I decided to let the price do the separating for me and let and jump on the one blue field for for uh, who I always say uh, Safi Joseph Jr. reminds me of the uh, guy who leads your snorkeling excursion on the cruise, who not so subtly suggests that he knows where he can find you and your friends some Molly. <laughs> No comment. <laughs> I don't know. You know, I just I keep looking at it. Um, and again, this is not a this this is not a clever selection. But if, if you take out the two races that Mary Quite Contrary raced against Echo Zulu, I mean, she would be two to five in here, right? I mean, gotta think so. I mean, th those are really the only races in her entire career that that she didn't really that she didn't she wasn't competitive. But again, Echo Zulu could have won this race you know, with her broken leg, I believe. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Race 10, eight and a half furlong, $500,000. The Pegasus world cup, Philly and mare turf invitational here. Uh, this is the first, uh, well, first grade two, I believe on the, on the, uh, uh, on the card. Um, I'll go ahead and lead it off. I, I think Papa Mandela has one in this race that wants to run out in the front. 
which I think will transfer well to the, the Gulfstream Durf. And at this distance, I, I think could maybe wire this field. And I'm going to win bet it, but I'm also going to cover and press with a, a part wheel exacto that I'll, that I'll put together. But I'm talking about the six, uh, Ruby Neal uh, for, for Papa Mandela. This one just looks to be in great form. You know, ran really well in the Lady Shamrock was much the best on the, you know, on the inside there. I, I, I can't really get away from it. Plus uh, flying dismounts by, by Frankie Dettori are pretty awesome. So I'm hoping to get one here. Uh, Chuck, how'd you see the race? Did you think it was maybe a, a horse loose on the front or did you think a horse coming from off the pace could pick this up? Uh, I mean, on paper, there should be sufficient pace. Um, you know, the, the, the other Safi Joseph horse, um, Star Fortress, not Star Fortress. Star Fortress is, is probably going to be the favorite, I would guess, off of that spectacular win in the Cardinal. Um, accomplished girl. I mean, she's a sprinter, more or less. And they did, you know, get a little bit outrun last time. They took her back. Um, but, you know, I, I, I don't I don't know why they wouldn't want to be really close in here, especially with him having other horses in the race. Um, you know, Mandela does not ship east very often. I, I, I looked at the race, the matriarch, a couple times uh, where Ruby Nell, you know, for reasons known only to Edwin Aldonado, you know, she was taken way back. Um, and that, that just didn't make any sense in a, in a mile race. I mean, yes, she has come from off the pace going down the hill, but that's a completely different race. I mean, sure. uh, so I, I don't think Mandela is going to ship across the country and and rate, but, uh, you know, the move to the Tory is, is probably a strong one. Um, and I, you know, I'm not, I don't hate her. Um, but I think the horse that's going to get overlooked in here is, is the Philly that, that, that won the race last year, queen goddess, um, McCarthy's got spectacular, um, numbers shipping to Gulfstream. He's like 59%, something like that. Um, I mean, obviously, he loses Saez to Cherie DeVoe's horse, understandably. Um, but, you know, you, you, you take the matriarch out. Again, this, this horse was, uh, you know, they went fast in that race but early. But she really never got into it. You, you know, you, you draw a line through that race, and her races are pretty strong. Um, I, I just think that, you know, she could set a nice trip in here. There seems like there's going to be pace. And I mean, I, I, I'm thinking she might drift up to be eight, 10 to one. And to me, that's the horse to beat, uh, not the horse to beat necessarily, but the horse to keep an eye on it as a, as a prize play. Uh, I, I just, it was funny. I was texting Barry last night about fluffy socks. It seems like that, that mare's been around forever. She's six now, you know, she won, she's only won five races lifetime and three of them were as a two-year-old. So she's only yeah. one. One race since COVID, um, which which is kind of you know nuts, uh, but but by the same token, she's she's also fifty five percent second or third. So you know, I read sticks. That's one that, that you know you probably have to use on your numbers underneath because she she is going to be closing and she does hit the board a lot. Um, you know, like. I'm not a huge believer in hot trainers, cold trainers, but you know, Chad Brown is, is very, very cold. Yeah. And it's rare seeing that goose egg next to his name. It, it, it is. And I almost wonder, and this sounds crazy, but he might be an overlay and the people might all get, <laughs> get too piped up about, about, Oh my God, he's over 34. And <laughs> all of a sudden the prices on a horse that normally would be over bet aren't because of, of that. And honestly, it might really just be, you know, he's running the horses that, that, uh, you know, are coming off, off layoff sickness. They're not the best horses. They're just trying to get a race into them. I mean, there's a million reasons why. Um, but, uh, you know, I think this is a great race, honestly. Uh, of all the Pegasus races, to me, this is the best one. Um, and, and I wouldn't even, you know, like if you're going to use a horse in in, um, in supers or, or tries, I, I think Cairo Consort is a horse that you have to kind of keep an eye on. You got Ryan Moore, 
um, Putcha goes to Ryan Moore, and she has done really well over this the surface. She draws the inside and might just get one of those, you know, garden trips. And you don't need her to win. You just need her to, to, to you know, to be there. And anywhere close to that 15 to 1 morning line is is a, an excellent value in my opinion. Yeah. So what I decided to do with the exact, uh, I, like I said, I like Ruby Nell, uh, but then I took the horse I thought could pick up the, is the seven, like you mentioned, fluffy socks. So I went with six, seven with four, six, seven in my exact, because I think you're right. You do have to have fluffy socks in your, in your, uh, your, your verticals at some point, because that horse just is a grinder. The horse has put up $1.1 million. Hasn't won, you know, won most of its races when it was two years old, racing as a six-year-old just by grinding it and cashing checks, finishing second and third. Right. I mean, we haven't even really talked about Star Fortress, who's probably the, the one horse in the race who, who like has star potential. Um, right. I know that, that, um, you know, Cherie had been considering waiting with her, but she said she was training so good that, that she said, you know, it's a million dollar grade one race I mean, or it was a half million dollar grade two race. But, um, I mean, she was so good in that race in uh, in Louisville, and and they knew she was a good horse. Uh, they had you know high hopes for her since they brought her over. I don't know that they knew she was going to run that good. And sometimes right. you wonder about a horse that runs that you know that great um, first time out, whether it just was a circumstantial thing. Did she really love the track the way it was with a little give in it? Uh, maybe you know the Churchill Downs turf is is it's much different than the Gulfstream turf. And, uh, you know, I, I don't think that was a great field either, but you know, if you missed her at six to one last time, you're really going to want to take her at nine to five this time. I, I don't, I don't know. I mean, and, and she might just be that good and it might not matter, but, um, you, you can't really make a lot of money playing these horses. You know, you, you make money playing them at six to one. You don't make playing them next time out at six to five. All right, race 11, eight furlongs, $150,000. The Fred W. Hopa stakes. It's a grade three on the dirt. Um, this pace does look like it gets fairly hot to me. And uh, I'm going to key on an off-pace horse I think can can stock this pace from a couple links back. Uh, so for me, that's going to be the three. I'm just going to be no muss, no fuss with the win bet on the three. Steel Sunshine at six to one. It didn't regress much last out off of a huge figure, followed by a layoff. Uh, this one is second off the layoff and could take a step forward. If the horse doesn't take indeed take a step forward, then he's easily good enough to win this race, I think. And if that's the case, I, I'm going to jump at that 6-1 to one price. Uh, and hope, hopefully that either floats or, or stays right around where it is, because I would love to get all of that uh, in this race. Uh, did, you, uh, did you like that horse, or did you have your eyes on others? Um, You know, I... I, I this was a good race and I, and I think what you're talking about with the pace is is very much true i mean it, it figures to have a fast pace especially with uh the horse from the rail breaking from pose one and that he's going to want uh pratt is going to want to get positioned whether it's on the lead or right off the lead he is not going to want to get buried so you know it, it figures that that you know with him and and the pletcher horse uh off the layoff in the two spot, they, they figured it to set pretty fast fractions. I, I was kind of, I wasn't in love with anybody in here, but I, I want to keep an eye on, on Shug's horse on the bottom signet uh, signator. I think that, you know, this race has potential to fall apart and he should be able to get, you know, Castellano should be able to get some good positioning down the backside. And it just seems like a, a, one of those typical, um, Horses that Shug let develop on their own. He didn't get too crazy. Uh, and, and he finally looks like he got frustrated after Saratoga because he put blinkers. And, and I don't know if you, you rec- recognize this, but Shug McGahee, like, never puts blinkers on horses. He just doesn't do it very often. Right. So it did the trick with this one. And, and his next, um, you know, first time he, he kind of got lost in that race uh, at Aqueduct. But he cut him back to a mile in the slop and, and he, and he made a nice run to win. Uh, he came right back and, and was better uh, going, you know, two turns and, you know, the Queens County, he kind of hung a little bit, but, but that was kind of a, uh, I mean, Krupy's a pretty good horse and, and, you know, the pace wasn't perfect for him that day. 
I, I think he just ran a little bit better that day than than he's going to get credit for. And and at the price, like you know, I mean, if you want to take the the New York bread, he jazzy at, at. I mean, I'm guessing he's going to be like four to five in here. Probably, yeah, somewhere close to that. All right. So if, if you're willing to take him at that price, you know what? God bless you. And if he shakes loose, you know, there's he's likely to do it. I mean, Baffert does not come to Gulfstream often. And when he does, um, you know, I think the last time I remember Mucho Gusto. <laughs> right. I uh, know he had defunded last year, but defunded stunk. Yeah. All right. Let's let's talk about the one million dollar Pegasus World Cup turf, a grade one. They're going nine furlongs. Uh, I, I like a horse coming off of a disappointing start last out for Chad Brown. And I, I think the reason that the price is going to stay fair on the, on this horse is that the Aiden O'Brien horse may end up taking way too much money. Um, I, I'm looking at the seven Adamo at 12 to one. There, there's no early speed in this race. I think that Adamo will make a middle move to put himself in contention late. You know, disappointment last out, but that was coming off of an effort in the the BC turf where Adamo was simply just outclassed. And also running a huge fig the previous outing and then shipping across the continent for the, the BC turf less than a month later. Might have just taken the starch out of this one a little bit. I like this one coming off the layoff, so I'm, I'm all about Adamo at 12 to 1. Uh, Chuck, what, what was your thought here on the Pegasus World Cup turf? I mean, clearly, Warm Heart is, is the best horse in here. Um I shouldn't say the best horse. She's the most accomplished horse because integration might be the best horse. Hell, integration might be the best horse in the country. Um, But, I mean, Warm Heart raced in September in France, in the first week of November at Santa Anita in California, then a month later in Hong Kong, and now here she is seven weeks later at Gulfstream. And that's a lot of shipping, man. That, you know, we're used to seeing horses come over, ship to the U.S., and, and then maybe ship back a couple months later. You know, Chuck Appleby's made a, you know, a retirement fund out of doing it the last few years, but that is a lot of shipping because I mean, you're talking about, uh, you know, Europe to to California to Hong Kong and then back to Florida. Essentially, she she scanned the globe and. At some point, it might take its toll on her. Um, I, I don't know why they they chose this race. I guess the distance um, is a little bit better. But, I mean, she's been racing a mile and a half since the springtime. And I, I just, um, you know, the mile, the cutback to the mile and an eighth, I, I don't, I'm not, I'm not in love with that either. Um you know, it's just, to me, it's tough. I, I, I was probably going to use the three and the four integration and I'm very busy. The three-year-old turning four. I think the one thing that, that we had uh, last year was a very, very strong three-year-old t- turf division. It was a very strong division. The older turf horses the last few years have been terrible. Um, the older dirt horses the last few years have been terrible. Okay. The, the older turf horses have just taken turn. They just took turns beating each other for yes. like three years. It felt like they just weren't good horses. I mean, we would, we weren't even like, a, they would run the breeders cup. We weren't even coming in the top five. You right. Know? We, we were just getting beat up. Um, but this year it seems like the three-year-olds were really good last year. And I, I really think that, uh, I, you know, horses like this, you have to kind of, look at them as, as a progressing type. You can't just look at their PPs and say, okay, um, you know, this is what they run because they're getting better. They just turned four. Uh, neither of these horses integration or I'm very busy is, is calendar four. So they should continue to get better. And certainly integration showed last time that he seems like he's at least a level above. I'm very busy, but, I mean, I'm thinking that they might be able to run one, too. Integration has been spectacularly good. I mean, even my dad, who's like the most pessimistic person ever, said, man, that, that, that horse is like really good. And I know there's a lot of people that, that did some whining about the jock change, including, you know, the former jock. And, and yeah. you know what? We all get it. I mean, it sucks for people that you get taken off. But, I mean, honestly... This happens every single day in this business, whether it's sure. 
small track, a bigger track, the top guys get their pick, and it's just the way it goes. And and the fact of the matter is, it's the owners. They want that's what they want. Right. Owners, when I trained, worried more about jockeys than any other three things. That was the one thing that they always hyper focused on, and it's I understand why why he made the move, but um, you know. Uh, to me, he, he's just a really good horse. And I, I mean, I look at the rest of the field. I mean, am I really worried about Jerry the Nipper or Tone? Um, you know, Web Slinger, who, who, who always gets lost. Right. Uh, you know, he, he's always like in an impossible position. I think he's a really good horse. He just always gets a bad trip. Uh, I, I know Barry, he, he said something in, in pleading the other day about King Max. Um, so, you know, Barry's pretty sharp. His his turf races, uh, he I mean, he's been racing at Monmouth, and, and he, he ran good into Fort Lauderdale, though he lost. Uh, I mean, I, I could I could make a case that he could improve too, and and you know, Masterpiece is one I I don't want any piece of. Um, I like Shrill Spite if 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 you're drawn inside. Again, he, he's a good horse racing in the pocket on the inside. And in this spot, he's going to have to get lucky or he's going to have to be a little bit too far behind. And um, that that's, you know, my, my big concern with him. Main event, I mean, to me, I'm just going to toss him from post 11. Uh, and, I, I, you know, Catnip, he's another one. He's just kind of, he's off of a long layoff. He's got a tough post. Tough, you know. And I don't like any of the ones that would draw in if there was any scratches. So, to me, I, it's all about the three-year-olds there. I win or I lose based upon how they run. There we go. And we're on to the big one. Race 13, nine furlongs, $3 million, which is looking at the field feels a little bit absurd. Uh, the Pegasus World Cup, a grade one on the dirt. Uh, you know, I... I'm, I'm good friends with Sarah L. Bodway, who's who's on Talking Horses and also on, uh, you know, the America's Day at the Races. And uh, I told her about this pick and she was like, are you insane? What is wrong with you? Whenever I told her uh, who, who I liked here. <laughs> um, so I'll, I'll go ahead. I'll spill the beans. I, it's because this is what this was the shocking part is she loves this horse. Uh, hoist the gold. I, I liked the four hoist the gold in the, in the Pegasus at 12 to one. I, stretching out for the first time. But I mean, there's plenty. There's plenty in that pedigree that tells me that this horse should be able to handle a stretch out. Um, you know, I believe that there will be a price here with hoist the gold, even though the horse did win the cigar mile. And I, I mean, I really like that cigar mile performance. And I think if the horse regresses, it's not far. If he takes a step forward, then this horse is the winner. Um, so give me the four and hoist the gold at 12 to one. And then I'll, I, I'll after uh, Chuck gives his picks, I've got some exactas and trifectas I'll try to put together for the Pegasus. The reason I don't like Hoist the Gold is because if you go back in his PPs to last year, around this time, um, in the mineshaft, he looked like, to me, uh, it, it was a field that was ripe for the taking, his first attempt at going two turns. And he went to the lead, he set, you know, pretty decent fractions, but just had nothing. And it makes me wonder if they're not going to try to outsmart themselves in here, because to me, the only potential way he could win this race is on the lead. It just makes me wonder, because like we saw last week in the Louisiana Stakes, sometimes in these races, the jockeys get timid. And whether it's the connections saying that, like, don't get in a speed duel or whatever, they don't do what they should do, which is send. And I'm just wondering if Dallas Stewart, is going to remember that race and he's going to tell Johnny V, Hey, we've won off the pace before, so you don't have to be on the lead. And you know, Johnny V rides a lot for Bob Baffert because the only possible way that national treasure could win this race would be to get to the front because he has yeah. no chance to win off the lead. None. No, he didn't. Uh-uh. And it's just, you know, we've seen it so many times. If this was 10 years ago, I mean, it, it would be a different story. Um, you know, I'm not really sure where first mission is going to want to sit either. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm assuming Louis size is going to be aggressive. I don't think he's going to be, want to be three, four wide around the first turn, but I don't know, you know, I don't exactly know what their plans are. And that, that's, you know, what, what happens 
in modern day racing when you have these horses like that that just are so lightly raised um and you're used to running in six horse fields so they wind up in these big fields and all of a sudden it becomes like a problem um <laughs> i'm gonna tell you a horse who i, I think everybody's gonna think that i'm i'm crazier than you but I, i'm gonna use I'm going to use the, um, the, the three horse <laughs> dynamic one. And I know everyone's going to say, what are you doing? You know, like what, what, why would you like that horse? I, I just think that he's got some races. If you go back to, they're good enough to win this race. Yeah, absolutely. And he hasn't run in a long time. His race, uh, going a mile at, uh, over the track stunk. He was way over bet that day because I mean, he's not a one turn horse. He literally has run one turn his entire life. Um, you know, I'm, I'm, I don't count the Belmont race as a one turn race, the mile and a quarter. But, uh, you know, he, he, his first race of his life, he, he, he went seven ace and like got way behind. But, I mean, I'm willing to forgive it. And, and I think he's going to be longer than 15 to one. I mean, I think he's going to be, I think he's going to be 25 to one. And to me, like on a talent level, on his best, he can beat these horses. I mean, do you want trademark? At like, you know, like I don't want trademark. Um, Senior Buscador, he just doesn't have a running style that that fits Gulfstream Park. I mean, I just don't see how you can be twelfth going into the final turn and win at Gulfstream Park. Right? It just, you know, doesn't have a national treasure. There's no chance I bet him. First mission is going to be over bet for a horse that really, you know has one stake win and it wasn't like um you know it, it wasn't like he won that race by the secretariat like margin um you know he's, he's run twice since since uh um the spring and and one of them was a you know desperation win at one to two in an allowance race um uh, you know i mean il miracle will probably clunk up because Sano only seems to win when he's a million to one. And, um, you know, Krupi's another horse I'd keep an eye on too, because to me, he's a, he's a horse that's never really put it together. And one day he's going to put it together. And, you know, if that race, I believe that race was a strong race, stronger than it looks on paper, the Queens County. I mean, that, that's why I liked the horse who was fourth that day. And, and the other race, um, the Hooper, I mean, if that horse runs up the track, then maybe, you know, you toss old Krupe. But um, yeah. I did, you know, like, it. it's just very difficult for me to, to look at this race and not want to take horses at big prices because the ones that are going to be shorter prices, their credentials are very, very shaky. And, you know, I mean, they, they really, I actually wrote a piece that I'm going to put out tomorrow about the Pegasus World Cup and how, if it was beyond, you know, if it mattered more than just parties and other stupid stuff, that they would make a change with this race because where it's listed in the, the, the schedule of stakes, and it doesn't make sense anymore because you're not getting any of the horses that are going to stud, you know, for one last race because the way the economics work for first-year stallions, it isn't worth the risk. Yeah. It isn't worth the risk of something happening. Uh, you know, having to keep the horse in, because remember, you're not just running in a race, you're keeping the horse in training for, you know, a good 60 days leading up to it. And right. you're going to have, you know, four works leading up to it. And there's just so many things that can happen. And, and you know, with horses breeding to un ungodly like numbers, you know, 200 or more, mm -hmm. uh, if you're, if you have a, me uh, a excuse me, a stallion, and you're standing for 30, 40, 50,000, you're talking six, seven, eight, nine million dollars. That's right. guaranteed money. You don't have to win it, they give it to you, you know. Right. So, are you really going to take that, those extra chances to, to maybe have everything work out for you and you get 1.5? I mean, and, and you know, I mean, from the same standpoint, do you really want to last? Um, and, and listen, let's face it, by the time they run this race, most horses most mares have been booked already. It's not as though people are going to like pull the plug, but you know, right. I mean, do you really, really, really want that, that extra, you know, it's not going to help you as a stallion your first year, put it that way. So, right. And, 
I mean, plus with, I mean, yeah. Okay. $3 million for the purse, but at the same time, like this isn't, this isn't a race. A trainer grew up wanting to win and it's so prestigious around for, for what, since, since arrogate pretty much. So I, I it was the, the I, Don. I mean, it was the Don handicap for a million years. Right. And it's it, always a good race. It was always a good race, but you know, this race is, is I was speaking a couple months ago to a trainer or excuse me, an owner who has a really, really good horse. And they were trying to plot out their four-year-old year. And he kind of ran it by me, you know, what he was thinking. And it was kind of an old school, um, more of an old school campaign than what you would see now. And, and you know, his thought was, I, I don't want to start in the Pegasus because our ultimate goal is the Breeders' Cup. And that's that's nine, you know, nine and a half months away. Right. A long, long time because it's not like I said, like I said, you can't just, you know, start training January 1st. So your right. horse is going to be, you know, hard used in training for a, a year, even if you give them time off in the summertime. Um, you know, so that that was the, the process. Like you said, this isn't as an important race as, say, the Whitney um, or the Met Mile or the Pacific Classic or, you know, one of those other standard bearing races. And, you know. When you look at the purse, it doesn't add up anymore. It's crazy to say that, but a $3 million race just doesn't look the same when your competition is a $20 million race or a $12 million race. And right. no one's using this race as a prep anymore. Uh, I mean, hell, Saudi Crown used the race the other day as a prep because it was a mile and a 16th. And, you know, it was going to be a, an easier trip for him, and he got an extra week in between. So... If $3 million isn't luring those horses, those star horses kind of making their last start, and you're not serving as a stepping stone to the other two big races, then this is what we're going to continue to get. We're going to continue to get races that, that you know, we're, I mean, two and a half million of that's pulling his own money out of her own pocket. She can spend it everywhere she wants it, right? But, like, it right. just seems squandered. And my idea, not not to, 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 to people that subscribe to the digest shouldn't still read it but you know is, is to push this race off into um into february and use it take some of the purse money and funnel that to the santa anita handicap and try to raise the stature of those two races yeah put some sort of connection between those two races if you win this race you know you get a free you the first three across the wire and the pegasus get you know all expense paid to the Santa Anita handicap plus this, you, you bump up the purse. Because, I mean, honestly, this is a $3 million purse. Do you think this would be a different field if it was a $2 million purse? No, I, I think this is a $1 million race, quite honestly, from from the, you know, from everyone that's entered. That that, that feels like it would be the, the appropriate reward for this field. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. It's like you look at the last two years, and the two prior years, they got lucky. Because you had two years ago, you know, three years ago, four years ago, I guess now, you had uh, Nick's Go, who was trying mm -hmm. to kick off his campaign um, as a two-turn dirt horse because he had been running in, in shorter races. Brad Cox had just taken over him that summer. And then last year, or not last year, the year before last, you know, the same thing with Life is Good. The, I, I don't think Life is Good would have run in this race had he run in the Breeders' Cup Classic, but because he missed most of his three-year-old summer and fall and he right. wound up in the mile, you know, they got lucky with two, two winners of the mile that needed to prove something else. And I mean, that, that's the type of race that this race would be, you know, deserves that purse deserves and, 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 you know, a championship race is, is having a Knicks go and a life is good squaring off. Right. But I don't think we're going to get that anymore. And, and it's no. crazy to think that, you know, the game has changed. But if you look at the couple years before that, you know, you had Mucho Gusto and you had City of Light. And those weren't exactly stellar fields either. So I think that, you know, they got fortunate with the Knicks Go situation. They got fortunate with the Life is Good situation. But I think you're going to get this more than not because, uh, you know, a guy I really respect in the breeding game said to me, because Chuck, it just doesn't make sense. He goes, yeah. if you're going to stand a horse for 25 or more, 
there's just a lot of risk associated with you with, with running in this last race. And, you know, he said the horses, if you're going to stud, the, it's not going to give you a bounce because you're already booked. Those, those are these first year stallions are so sought after now that uh, most first year stallions that start off at 25 or 30,000 wind up having season sell that same year for, for double because everybody wants a first year stallion. And, and that, that, that's really a change in the game just in the last few years that's affecting this race in particular. And I just don't see this race as being uh, uh, an if or that, you know, an or race when you consider the Dubai race and, and the Saudi race that I, I think that, uh, you know, you're just not gonna, you're just not going to get a lot of horses that are going to want to do that. So, right. Well, that's it. That is all the graded stakes. Uh, Chuck, do you want to let people know where they can follow you on social if they're not following you already? Well, you can follow me at cannon shell at Twitter. If you haven't already blocked me because I mean to someone, uh, you can follow us. Obviously the going in circles, uh, podcast or the Going in Circles Digest. Just uh, Google us; you'll find it. And uh, you know, we're we're always on social media. We we uh, you know we dabble in Facebook. Facebook is horse racing. Twitter is a little bit nuts. Horse racing Facebook is like one thousand percent worse. <laughs> I'm glad that I've managed just to completely stay away from horse Don't. racing Facebook. And it's insane that's gonna do it for us here at the notorious otv brought to you by the sports gambling podcast network uh we're gonna be back tomorrow with andy mcnamara he's uh doing some cool stuff with uh my Railbirds, uh new company out there and uh yeah that's gonna be it we will catch you next time later